This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Raslan, today we have, he is a producer here at BFM, and it's great to have him back. He is Mikey Gong. Cam, good to see you again. I'm glad to be back. Great to see you. Well, great to hear you. People in Radio <laughs> Land don't know that we can see, see each other. Semantics. <laughs> and and he also, other he, um, oh, it's a mammal. Oh, my God. We have a mammal. Oh, dear. Uh, he is Who's um, a mammal. <laughs> <laughs> he is a mammal. He is a, uh, he's a writer and a director and an actor. He is Na'a Murad. Good to be back, Cam. Hello, everyone. Great to have you. And uh, well, this week's episode is going to be the storytelling episode uh, because in topic number one will be storytelling games from Na'a's childhood. Uh, Topic number two will be what are the elements that make a great murder mystery? And finally, topic number three will be if you were to write a science fiction set in Kuala Lumpur in 2050, what would it be about? So, um, so (laughs) shall we just do that? The science fiction (laughs) thing. There's a whole episode. (laughs) I know we're going to get there. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, storytelling games from childhood. Yeah. Well, storytelling games is interesting because all kids have them, uh, every culture, um, every generation. And, and when I say storytelling, it could be as simple as, you know, you're the robber, I'm a cop. There's maybe a bit of dialogue, like come here, you scumbag. And there's a lot of chasing and, (laughs) And, you know, the pretend shoots and fights and everything. And, and I think it's very much an important part of, um, of every childhood. Um, the make-believe, the storytelling, creating. But in my family, it just, it just got a little bit weirder. So I was just wondering, I would like to share some. There's just too many to go through everything. Um, and, then, and maybe then, then open it up to you guys, if you guys have had you know, such silly games as children. Or I've heard... Whether about the new generation, what they are doing, it can't all be video games and um, you know stuff like that. So, like, um, well, everybody played with action figures back then. They were simply called dolls. Um, D O L L S. I think I think it's a it's a <laughs> it's a defunct word now. And um, my family, um, my cousins, my my brother, my sister, um, close friends, we we took it one step further. I mean, it wasn't just you know. You got together and, and like, um, oh, yeah, you know, um, Barbie and Kent are going to have tea or something like that. It became elaborate stories. We would sit together and we would have our collection. Everybody would bring their stuff. Everything from little Ultraman plastic things to um, Action Man, Big Jim, if you guys remember those. Um, all kinds of characters. You had, you had people of every sort, every, every gender, every color, every stripe. And, and we would decide on, on what story we were doing. Okay, now we are on the Nile and <laughs> you know, we've been chased by bandits. There would be this elaborate story and everybody wants to be a character and, and everybody would, 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 would in turn um, also control the side characters, the bandits or the guy who's serving them dinner or whatever. And, and it was all improv. We had the guideline of how the story was going. And, and the story would even split. Like, for example, me and... A cousin would go like, okay, we're going to go and investigate, you know, the abandoned house now. So we'd have a little picture of our own and make stuff up as we went along. Dialogue so sub, and subplots as well. Subplots and, 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 and improvised dialogue. And, and occasionally, somebody would say, you know, like, like the, elder, the older kids usually were more like the Tok Dalangs, the, the directors. They would go like, look, we've got to end this soon. So let's have this person, the killer. Okay, shall we try to... 
and it would become this almost like um, a fully formed story, very very awkward, very silly, and you know, childlike. But but there you have it for two hours, maybe an actual improvised story would be would be created with action figures. Uh, if you and, and 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 reality did not matter. I mean, Ultraman could be the postman. It doesn't matter. It was just sort of, he's a figure. Fine, he looks like somebody from space, but that's you know he. Our casting was was um, <laughs> very, you know very inclusive. Well, and then and then they were writing it. When I got my first um, um, typewriter, I decided to write a story called The Haunted Hotel. Forgive me, I was nine, right? So I wasn't going to write anything sophisticated. I wasn't going to do the great Malaysian novel. And I would write the first ten pages, and I would say, "Hey, does anybody want to continue this?" And so during weekends, when when you know cousins and, and my brother and even some uncles and aunts read it, laughed their butts off and said, okay, I want to continue. So you had this completely unwieldy story that kept changing tone and direction and, and where, where, where two different writers would be like, okay, I'm going to make your favorite character get locked in a room with a man, and I'm going to stop it right there and what you're going to do. You know, little challenges to each other. Yeah. So it was... Um, I think it yep. should be pointed out for our listeners that this precocious family, by the way, included not only uh, Na'a Murad, who's a writer himself, screenwriter, but also his brother is uh, the playwright Jit Murad. So, yeah, in case, well, Google him. I'm sure he knows who he is. But, <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of other creative people too. Kind of just wind it out. Can I ask, uh, Mikey, were, did, were you one of these precocious families? Uh, sickeningly, may I say, uh, yes, precocious uh, families like the Murads. Yes, I mean, this brings us so many good memories. I, from, the, from the early stages, I, I would actually create my own little fantasy world and stories that revolved around it. Now, it wouldn't have as intricate plots as, uh, you know, as Nah. You know, Were you alone? For it. it was just you by yourself? No, it was my, my cousins. And we would use props. And see, the props would drive the plot. We would build houses out of chairs. And then oh, yeah, turn them into condos, too. right? Yeah, yeah. And then the plot would change on a daily basis. Uh, we'd introduce new props and then that would drive the plot. So, you know, oh. that's sort of big. But uh, we had a lot of fun uh, doing it and it just basically opened, uh, you know, a, a whole new world of, uh, of, of imagination to us. What so, kind of age are we talking about for you two when you were doing this? Seven. Yeah, around, around six, seven, right up yeah. to about 10, 11. Games changed sometimes. Well, can I just say that, that with me, I, I, I was very different uh, around six, seven and stuff. I was very different. I was, I was reading Descartes, Dostoevsky, <laughs> Nietzsche in the original German, obviously. And you were correcting their, their grammar. Yes. And, and yes. Improving, improving the book. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. War and peace is just I, too long, man. I'm too long. Yeah. It. More I, jokes. I, more jokes. I, I wouldn't have invited you to my play group, Cam. You sound like a real fun person. <laughs> No, no but you don't really have any of those kind of games, Ken? No, well, not, not so much, actually, because actually I had quite a lonely childhood. Uh, I have two brothers, but um, uh, family circumstances were such that we all grew up in different places. So I would entertain myself, and I would, I would create these games that you're talking about, but it would be on my own. Um, and I, it didn't seem like an unnatural thing to do. I mean, just, it, it, it seemed just, just what, what one does. Um, yeah. But I would create, and I still do now. I I, I live in these um, strange. Yeah, some, sometimes they pay you, so right. <laughs> but that's interesting, Cam. It sounds like those games would be more intellectual, philosophical, rather than more action oriented, which is what I think now and my games would be. No, like, no, yeah. my, no, my were also action oriented. My, my 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 mother would make jokes about it, which I, which I did not find funny, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I'd be out in the garden, and um, and I had you know bits of 
just bits of stuff and stuff. And I, and I was like fighting Vikings and I was swinging around and all that kind of thing. And then, and I'd come in and I was like, I'd had a really great time. And she was like, um, so what, you know, what how many you Vikings know? did you kill? Exactly. I was like, shut up, leave me alone. Yeah, no, but I, I guess we all do that. I mean, the question that was that not asked was, are young people doing this now? And yes. I, I cannot mm. answer. I have no idea. I don't know how know. elaborate are they? Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, like, 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 for example, if you are alone, it seems that, that you, you, you do your best, but, mm. but there's no interaction, there's no collaboration. And the, the thing about, about Mikey's games and, and games of my family is that that's that collaboration. So everybody put in something, everybody learned to improvise. I'm surprised more people in my family didn't, didn't go into the arts because of this. Or maybe they didn't really enjoy themselves, just pretended to. I well, but anyway, know. I mean, it, it's been wonderful listening to how you two had such marvelous childhoods. Great. Uh, where I was all, whereas I was all on my own. <laughs> you can join us now if you want, can we? Can we? <laughs> no. Yes, yes. Uh, no, all, all the Vikings have been killed. Um, right. all of them. It's all done. But what, then let's but, go to Dostoevsky then. Yes, <laughs> well, yes. Great. No, but um, with, with what we learned in, in childhood, let's now use that set, those same uh, storytelling tools to talk about topic number two, I think, uh, which is... Um, what are the elements required to make a great murder mystery? All three of us are fans of a murder mystery. Up and, to point. Uh, okay, but I, I bet you if we looked at a single genre and the amount of time we've dedicated to watching things, I bet murder mystery would be uh, a majority, the largest chunk. If you include things like police procedurals and things like CSI, I think maybe we can. I think maybe we yeah. can. I looked up on uh, IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, and Agatha Christie, there are 194 um, titles uh, of television, film, and also video games that have been um, adapted from Agatha Christie stories, which were written, what, between the 1930s and the 1960s? Mm. She wrote like a a 10,000 of them. Not forgetting that some of us grew up with Cluedo, which was Mm. a, you know, murder mystery (coughs) game. Basically, yeah. 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 Um, and so I'm just wondering, you know, what, what, what have we learned? And I, I'll just mm-hmm. start, I'll start with one first element. One is, I think that it is necessary to, to create a piece for an audience that lives in a society where murders are actually quite rare mm. uh, and where violence is mm. actually quite low. So mm. when I looked at that list on the IMDB about Agatha Christie, a lot of them are actually from Japan. Mm. It's a very safe country. The UK is a very safe country, actually. And, and even in America, um, the perception might be that it's, it's dangerous, but actually, statistically, it's pretty safe. So um, that, that's my one thing. What about you guys? Do you have any elements that you would, have to, you would find necessary to throw in to make a good murder mystery? Well, as, as we've spoken off mic, off camera, off, off camera I have been involved in um, several murder mystery projects for television over the years. Not to say that I'm an expert or anything like that, but I've always found that um, what's important for me is the atmosphere, the setting. Um, I, I get really, really bored with, with procedurals when it becomes very dry, where you can almost predict so-and-so, and it's going to be in somebody's living room, and it's going to be just a back and forth, and maybe just a little bit of um, characterization along the way. And I find that... that, that that it got even boring when I was watching Columbo as a, as, a, as a young person, that it was always the same thing. Columbo was always picking on that person's um, story and psychologically 
um, mm. destroying that person. But still, I found it kind of dry. What what I like is a murder mystery that 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 for me a good thing is to give the reader, the the viewer, a different location, um, a lot of um, uh, eccentric uh, moments. You know, like don't make a a, a, um, a a dialogue between the detective and and the suspect, just a dialogue. I think I think um, um, Knives Out did that very well because every you know, they, they use the location, they use the house, they use what was going on well. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. you, if, you, if you're doing it at the, at, in the Mediterranean and have an encounter happen by the mm. beach as a storm comes in or whatever, just give a lot of atmosphere to it, mm. then, then, it then it becomes more memorable. I think. For me, it's the, the, and the different cultural element. I'm a big fan of Japanese and Scandinavian murder mysteries. And I think a big part of that is because it both of them are totally a representative of very different cultures for me, which I have very little idea of. And so when they insert elements such as the food, like a reference to Japanese mochi or a Scandinavian winter, it really appeals to me. I think if you set it in a very familiar setting, like say a neighborhood in Bangsa, it wouldn't really interest me as much. Yeah, but uh, Bangsa would be very exotic for people in Stockholm who are reading it on a, on a on a yet another cold winter's day, and they go, "Ooh, this this Bangsa, that sounds incredible." Great, I'll write my book and sell it to to Sweden then. <laughs> yeah, only to Sweden okay. and to Japan. Yep. Yeah. What about the 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 detective? So, if we go back to um, the early days, the ver- mm. the very first is uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. Back then, the detective was not a policeman. Because the police were, if they ever turned up at all, were described as being bumbling, stupid. Uh, whereas our, our hero is uh, incredible powers. I mean, I, I like to pick up like. I like to pick up one. What Nas said about the characters being eccentric. I think that's a great point. I realized that one for me, a good murder mystery. The characters have to be relatable, and you have to have a sense of. Uh, identification with them. I mean, not identification, at least affinity. You care about what happens to them, whether they are guilty or innocent, or they get killed. And I think a big part of that is there's got to be something different about them. I mean, for example, in my uh, Japanese murder mysteries, in one of the books, there's someone called Inspector Galileo. He's a physicist and he's an oddball kind of scientist, something similar to Sherlock Holmes. I think that, I think you've hit on something that came about the eccentricity of character. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it seems it seems to me that 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 that's it's become a bit of a trope now that detectives are um, sometimes even up to the point of being um, autistic, highly functional. You know, it has to be this mm. genius beyond the pale. Mm. Somebody who has to use drugs, maybe all the versions of Sherlock. Um, Agatha Christie was very good at at, at at having interesting eccentric detectives who were quite normal. Like Miss Marple was just an old lady mm. who normal. was just. Yeah, very normal, but just tenacious and, and, and incredibly smart. Uh, Poirot had his eccentricities. Mm. Yeah, I think the detective has to be somebody who, just by the force of his character or her character, pushes each scene forward and make it, makes it interesting, even if the suspects are pretty much rote. You, you know, mm. um, it, it has to have that kind of um, power mm. or, or, or sustainability. My final contribution would be that, except in um, the murder of on the Orient Express, uh, spoiler alert, by the way, 
Um, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, thanks. not not everybody uh, can be involved in the killing of the victim. Um, it's just going to be one or two people, and the rest of the people who we've been thinking, oh, he she is guilty, they're guilty. It turns out they're not guilty. But uh, one of the things that's really, I think, an important is it's a kind of almost the soap opera element of hmm. the the work, the 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 tragedies and the the secrets that all these people are carrying um mm. and just sort of just discovering their emotional lives uh, which are all tortured in their own way and um which often start off as looking really great and then as 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 colombo whoever starts investigating we discover that it's just more and more messed up so i mean this as i say it's almost a soap opera but it just happens that there's so, that, that that somebody's much, much darker mm. right? it's, just, it's just um everybody has a dark side or Mm. or whatever it is. But, but it's interesting to say that, that Sherlock Holmes, when you look at his entire collection, that very few of his stories are that standard um, murder mystery kind of thing. A lot of his best stories don't, don't even hinge on who did it. Mm. More like how, why, how mm. Sherlock manages to trap right, the, yeah. the villain that he already knows is the villain, mm. that kind of stuff. And I think a, a bit of variation like that, um, I, I'm interested in. The whole standard murder mystery, somebody did it, who done it, um, um, eliminating all the suspects can get a bit dull if, if, if you read too many or watch too many in a row. So it's nice that, that now you get one big thing like Knives Out every now and then. So it doesn't become... Hmm. I, I don't know if I would be able to watch a whole series like Midsommar Murders or whatever. Yeah, uh, Mikey. One last, uh, one last one, one from you. I think, and the last one uh, would be this: a sense of darkness, because murder is basically something really and uh, dark and depressing, and hopefully foreign to many of us. So, and I think that's something that that the Scandinavian and Japanese uh, mysteries do well is that they hint at something darker in human nature that points to this. Rather than an, just an act that needs to be fixed, right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah. more like about morality on the whole, yes. human condition, right. yeah, the human condition. Okay, yeah. well, that's that's uh, that's the opinion of three middle-aged uh, men on uh, <laughs> what, what makes a great murder mystery. All three of us have no clue if younger people are interested in this kind of thing. Are younger um, people listening to this show? I wonder. Do you know? uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We we have a vast and uh, uh, wide ranging audience. Uh, no, oh, please. okay. Hey, kids. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> stadiums are filled. They they book out stadiums and they play it over the <laughs> over the um, down system. Book it, Jalil. Well, well, you national, mean? national anthem first. Everybody stands up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't saying, even. I can't even go out in public now. Such is the tension. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, MCO MCO has, has slowed things down. When it opens sure. up again, though, yeah. we'll send you a ticket. So. Um, <laughs> But in a moment, uh, we're going we're gonna to come back with um, science fiction, KL 2050, here on A Bit of Culture, BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Raslan, uh, Murad, and Mikey Gong. And now, Mikey, you have asked one of the most interesting questions that's ever been asked to, uh, for me on A Bit of Culture, which is, well, you tell us, Mikey. Okay, this came about uh, from an earlier topic, which I talked about, which was about um, the two different genres of science fiction, hope punk, which deals with hopeful science fiction, stories of a better future, and grimdark, which actually points to a more dystopian, darker view of, uh, you know, of, the, of the years to come. 
And so my topic has and came out as a result of that. And it's, it goes, and it's this, if you had to write a science fiction story about Kuala Lumpur in 2050, what would it look like? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So, uh, Mikey, when you asked that question, we're going to find out what you think, obviously. Um, when you asked that question a few years ago, I've been racking my mind since then all the time. And it's a really sort of existential question for me. I like to think of myself as being an optimistic kind of guy. But when you ask it specifically about thinking about the future uh, of this place, I found I just couldn't think of anything um, optimistic. <laughs> it was just all dark and awful and futile and etc. Um, so, so describe that to me, Cam. What elements do you see? I mean, describe KL. I mean, imagine there was a, a, a camera panning across KL and there were characters there. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what I'm getting at to, 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 to you. And well, uh, uh, the, the very first thing that came to my mind was the thought of um, uh, environmental uh, degradation mm. uh, and then the thought of the uh, economic sorry well political um national political uh degradation mm. um but you know so set in a landscape that i, I don't see any i don't see any optimism no what do you think I, I don't know, man. I mean, it was hard for me too because I think it's just where we are right now. If 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 you had asked this question on 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 a, on an episode of a bit of culture, say in 2018, I think we would have had some positive views. I mean, I've always thought that, and and this is this is just in general that our future may involve the whole nation splitting up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Along various lines of, of philosophy, religion, you know, what, what have you. Um, and I thought maybe KL would be like that too. It would be something like um, Escape from New York, but instead of criminals, it would be like, like different groups um, holding court over different sections. And, so and who, I, I would expand it to the whole of Klang Valley. You so know, nah, would, nah. Yeah. Who, who, who would be Kurt Russell if... if Kale looked like a skiff from New York. I know, was... yeah. Kurt Russell would be the guy who doesn't care. He just crosses the borders and he, you know, he'd be so cynical. But but who would be here? I don't know. Maybe uh, I really don't know who, but but you, you can imagine, right? It'll be like one one area will be more traditional and religious, and one mm. area would be uh, um I don't know, um ultra-nationalists, and there will be um areas which are very race-centered, you know, and everybody will be feuding with each other or trying to survive with each other with like Cam said um, yeah, degradation now, of, of, of the environment and, and lack of resources everything yeah because now what, what you're describing is parliament <laughs> in the end again like Cam like you said you know we, we are storytellers and we like we, we, we've got to have something interesting to it something more hopeful the only way I could think of the story having having a uh, inspiring thing is that the rest of the country is that way too and maybe the great Perak block has decided to invade and everybody in the Klang Valley has to get together in order to drive off the enemy. And that, that would probably be the only kind of story I would like, have. No, but, your, yours and my families are from Perak. So. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but Mikey said KL, so I guess okay. Perak has to play right, the well, villain for this one. Well, go on then, Mikey. <laughs> but, you, you tell but, us. But, what, what, but, but, no, but I find it interesting that neither of you actually come up with a character, a hero or characters and normally when we talk about story, there's a central character, characters that drives the narrative, right? So, yeah. is it, you know. 
Okay. Yeah, well, so, well, Mikey, first of all, you're not okay. off, you're not offering enough money for me and uh, no, just, <laughs> you know, what, the, you zero know, ring want, it isn't enough. You know, Gosh, we want, want, we want to make sure that our our intellectual property is is, <laughs> is uh, secure here. So you know, well, same here because I'm about to reveal what 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 the great science fiction story of twenty well, KL twenty All right, go on, tell us. Okay. Okay, the camera pans across KL, Labo Ampang. Imagine this. Flood waters are rising, environmental degradation, urban decay, buildings are mostly vacated, you know, and crows swarm the, uh, the skies of KL. There are very few people to be seen. Our hero, and get this, is Pan Asian. Yeah, well, yeah, like, oh, come on. They're in all TV commercials, the hero is Pan Asian. But anyway. <laughs> but this <laughs> is the proper meaning of Pan Asian. No, no, no. The proper meaning of my Pan Asian is that he's part Indonesian, he's yeah, part yeah. Malaysian, part Chinese, part everything. Okay. Not okay. Eurasian as no, you're Pan Asian so is, is His name is not the Cruise, then. Is that what you're saying? No, it's not, oh, not right. the Cruise or Danka. <laughs> so it's, I haven't come up with a name for the character yet. But oh, um, okay. it's, it's, okay. it's, it's uh, Shiva Abdullah Tan. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. that after Maybe I'll throw in a okay, crows, yeah. crows, crows, and, uh, and all crows. that. And it's going to follow the classic Cambellian hero's journey, right? Awakening, he sees something wrong here. He gets together with a group because every good story needs a group to, uh, you know, uh, to work with the collaborative effort. And they'll go somewhere. Now, this is where I, I'm actually stuck. Where do they go to? Australia, because isn't it? They, 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 they have emigrate to, be a pro- to Australia. <laughs> there has to be a Melbourne. promise. There has to be a promise. Uh, there has to be a promised land at the moment. Could be like Watership Down. They're just looking for a peaceful place. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe Pahang. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> if there's anything left. <laughs> Any, yeah, is anything left? Uh-huh. Or okay. an island, maybe. You know, an island that's on Tioman or something is still un- unspoiled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, islands are good because they're 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 famous uh, safe location in case of zombie attack. Which, by the way, I don't have any in mind. Mm. Actually, it's funny because I do have an ongoing um, story in my mind, which I always return to, which is you know if there were a zombie apocalypse in in Malaysia, uh, what would I do? Um, and I would I would hole up in Penang. I think you know that'd be the place to go. And um, trying to mm. maintain. The, the architecture and stuff of Penang and trying to survive in that landscape. Try to maintain the architecture. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, because if, I, I thought it through now, okay? If you don't, if you don't maintain <laughs> it, you're going to have like so many mosquitoes. You've got to keep that's, the guttering clear. But you've got to blow up the Penang Bridge. You'll get it. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, like, that's 12 abreast, I think. Um, yeah, and there are two now as well. So, yeah. So, but, so, so Mikey, yours is, <laughs> your, yours is not, um, it's not a comedy, is it? It's not a comedy. So that's, that's a, as you, I think what was common is that all three of us have a slightly dark grim or darkish view of the future. None of us are seeing flying cars and, uh, you know. No, and, yeah. yeah. But let's, let's, let's just cast our minds back. Let's imagine back when we were, because we're all pretty much exactly the same age, when we were 20, 25, et cetera, would we have come up with, if we can possibly imagine, would, what would we have come up with then? To describe um, 2021, <laughs> um, I, I might have done flying cars and stuff then. And maybe just a product of one's own age. Possibly, uh, because, because things were more, well, I wouldn't say things were more hopeful, but it was a long stretch of time. And in that long stretch of time, you can imagine all kinds of change. I know that, that and, and I know that, that 2050 is a long stretch of time, but we can't see past our current 
mm. um, dilemma right now. It's mm. very hard to be positive. Yeah, but what I mean is, uh, uh, you know, if you're if you were making something up at the age of twenty, um, it's not going to be the same as when you make up something at the age of fifty. Yeah, I agree with that, Cam. And that's and and that's, it comes down to that phase in life. I think if I was twenty and making up this story, there wouldn't be more of an element of what I call the color white. Things would look a lot. Uh, rosier yeah. and and hopeful, and it would in, may not involve uh, flying cars, but maybe greater equality, uh, income equality, and you know, and and across all other factors, um, maybe a conquering of the ills that affect the human uh, condition, um, yeah, disease. Well, you mentioned, I mean, both of you kind of mentioned uh, Snake Pliskin and um, Escape from New York earlier. I mean, that's a movie. It's an action movie. It has to follow certain um, drama tropes. But, you know, it's, it's set in a dark world. But at the end of it, he solves it, doesn't mm-hmm. he? He, he, he doesn't, actually. Mold. He doesn't. He, he, he's very cynical. What he does yeah. is, uh, well, to cut long story short, his mission was to save the president because there was this big uh, summit that's supposed to, like, 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 like promise better peace. Among, and, and he sabotages it because he doesn't care. He doesn't care about mm. civilization much. But, you know, I would, in the 80s, I suppose when I was 20, I would, the element, I, I wouldn't say how, but I would put in a lot of elements of things like AI and robotics because computers weren't a big thing yet. So that wouldn't have entered my, maybe a little bit, but I would have had that. If there was a dystopian touch to it, it would be like, we are advanced, but, you know, how the whole dark mirror technology is a friend and an enemy. I probably would have done that. So, yeah. so uh, Nas and Cam, I want to steal your intellectual brilliance here for my 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 novel. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. At the end, at the end of this of of, of you and uh, of your story, what happens? Is it a happy ending or a grim ending? Well, at the end of your story, um, they're looking for just a sanctuary. So it it ultimately they just go to a place where things can be comfortable and nice and safe. But they'll have to fight for it. Otherwise, they won't they'll have fight a for it. So but some, the but yeah. the goal is. But will they find it? Um, and does finding it yeah, give you I, that the sense I, of uh, shalom or peace that you're looking for? Uh, I gotta hope that they do. I really do. I've yeah. got to say that they find something, but there's mm. only that hint that you know the whole thing. Like uh, one of my favorite scenes ever in Excalibur, where um, Merlin goes, "Like remember this night when you are victorious, for mm. it is the doom of men that they forget." Mm. Um, you could have. Something along those lines. It's, like, yeah. it's a cautionary tale. Like we've, 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 we've united, we've fought, we've, we've learned some things, but we easily forget. And the same thing right. will happen. You could always end with that cautionary note. I, I don't know. That, I'm reminded of the famous line from uh, Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, which goes, this has happened and before and it will happen again. That kind of cycle of the the the, the remake, right? the remake, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's great well, stuff. I, yeah, I, I'm reminded of the last line of uh, the Italian job when the bus is uh, balanced over the the highways, about to fall down to yeah. a deep valley, <laughs> and Michael Caine says, "Wait a second, lads, I've got a great idea," and then, and then the movie it finishes. <laughs> so yeah. I, I would, I'd like to finish there, but uh, well, you 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 answer your own question, Mikey. What? Uh, how does it, how does it end? Um. It ends something like what what now I described. They, our hero finds the solution, but it's never, but it's not the end. It's not perfect, and there's always something. There's a hint of something, uh, not worse, but a, a hint that this will continue 
in some shape yeah. or form. But that's that's our uh, our current generation and, and, and our cynicism. Mm. Like I read somebody who talked about Lord of the Rings. Is that I, I love the book, but I can't help thinking that now that Aragorn is king, sorry, spoilers, now that Aragorn is king and, and he's running the world of men, what, what's his health service like? I mean, <laughs> is he, he going to throw all the orcs in jail? Is he going to give, you know, like, 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 like is, is he... Orc lives you know, matter. Like, you, 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 yeah, 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 you know. Ops <laughs> gonna be, you know, all those kind of things. Just, just can't. We can't help but, 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 but bring yeah. in a bit of darkness, a bit of uh, uh, questioning. What does it say about transportation in his manifesto? That's what I want to know. This is a blueprint. What's, what's his stance on busing? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, 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 Mikey. One day, um, yes, uh, someone's going to be living in a in a pan Asian paradise. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think would be rather sad because it would have it wouldn't it wouldn't have mutaba. I mean, yes, exactly. <laughs> I love mutaba. Exactly. So how can you? <laughs> what kind of paradise is that going to be? <laughs> and, uh, That's a plot in its own. Future with no mutaba. The mystery of the missing mutaba. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the recipe is locked in a vault in Penang somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> it's like more through Indiana zombies jo- to find it. <laughs> Indiana Jones kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, what are we going to do? Oh yes, yeah, sorry. We're gonna, uh, oh, uh, one thing by the way, listeners, sorry. if you're out there, uh, listeners, I, I really have liked uh, Mikey's um, topic. And if you have, if you have any ideas on what your science fiction story of KL um, in the year 2050 would be about, please, please send it to us. I don't know how you're going to send it to us, but I, I guess you could find an email somewhere that says at BFM. Um, Usual, you know, Googling skills. This and, could be a uh, start of a short story collection, Ken. You could maybe get that going. You know, like 12 short stories about 2050. Exactly. And, I, I, and folks, I will not respect your intellectual property. The good stuff... <laughs> I just want to get paid for this. <laughs> no, all the good stuff, I'm just going to, you know, scratch your name out and put mine on top. So, but we come to the last part of the show, recommendations, where you recommend something that we think might be of interest. And, um, oh, I go first, don't I? So, um, I wanted to... Um, uh, recommend a, a movie I saw on uh, Netflix. It's, uh, it's a Canadian film. Came out recently, uh, and it's uh, it's really good. It's it's um it's a murder mystery, and it's called mm. The Kid Detective. Mm. Very small budget. Um, no stars that you would ever have heard of, but um, it's just it's just it's really clever. The the detective he was when he was a kid. He was just this wonderful, brilliant kid detective. But then now that he's grown up, he's still clinging to that memory and he's still plodding away at trying to be a detective, but he's, he's pretty much on the, (laughs) on the ropes. Um, And then a a case from before. So he doesn't improve. Uh, Well, you know, uh, watch it and you'll see. And um, Uh, when was this released then? Just like just a few months ago. It's a brand new film. And uh, I pitched something quite similar, but more, more ridiculous than to one of the Netflix pictures. So I'm a bit paranoid. Now. Oh, I, I think it's yeah. trying to sue someone here. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Sounds way too different. Yeah. yeah. No, but it, it, it's really good. And uh, do check it out. I think you'd enjoy it. I, I kind of wish that I hadn't seen it so I could watch it again for the first time. So it's called The Kid Detective. It's on uh, Netflix. And Nah, what's yours? Okay. Um, I'm going to go for a book, and it's called Galapagos Regain Galapagos, as in the Galapagos Islands, written by James Morrow. And I'll, I'll, let, I'll let the reviews um, speak for itself. Um, 
Okay. Quotation marks. A witty and wisecracking Victorian adventure, an Indiana Jones keeper with Charles Darwin lurking in the wings, as if Jules Verne were retold by Tom Stoppard, rollicking, preposterously enchanting, and, as with all of Morrow's work, cagely profound. So it's crazy. It's about the time of, of Darwin, and it's all about that transition between faith and, and science and, mm. and, and, and going both ways. Interesting characters. It's, 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 it's silly. It's, it's, got, um, it's got time travel. It's got, you know, like battles of uh, 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 rubber boom battles in, in South America. It's got, all, it's got, it's got this actual um, Percy Shelley um, uh, competition that was actually going on. I mean, a lot of things really happened, but they exaggerated to the point. It's, it's like um, um, the closest thing would be like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where, well, not League of... There was one in the stories where, where, where characters from, from actual history mingle with fictitious characters and they all, they all have this bizarre, very clever, very, very hmm. eccentric adventure. So it's called Galapagos Regained, by yeah. James Morrow. And apparently he's written a lot of wonderful books. This is the first one I'm reading. Cool. Okay. That sounds cool. And uh, Mikey, what's yours? Okay. Mine came about because uh, of something, a story I read years ago about this uh, Kuwaiti radio DJ who said that whenever he played uh, country and Western music, he, he shed tears because, he, you know, he has such a strange affinity for it, even as he was overlooking all these oil fields. And I was thinking about this. Uh, so I recommend uh, music from a, from and that you have an affinity for from a totally different culture where you've got no experience uh, with. And for me, that's a country and Western music. Hmm. And the artist is called Nancy Griffith. She's from no. Texas uh, and she lives in Nashville. And I have no idea why I keep listening to her songs over and over again. Um, she's one of my favorite artists. And my biggest dream is that you go to Nashville and visit her. Oh, it's a place I've never ever been. Hmm. She is um, performing now. She's a, a contemporary. She's. Uh, I think she's. She's. She's slowed down a bit. She's sixty-seven. Her heydays were in the eighties and nineties. She was never incredibly um, um, popular on the same scale as uh, the bigger names, uh, but she had a a strong following, and she is basically a slice of. Uh, Southwestern Americana that I have an this incredible uh, and um, liking for, but I have no idea why. You've never been. You've <laughs> never been. I've never been. I've never. i never even been to the U.S. And yet it's and it's just one place that I just want to go to, and she's just one thing I would like to go to and have her. I know it sounds quite narcissistic. Just play for me. <laughs> is yeah, it the music uh... or is it the lyrics or I think or the, something? I think it's the lyrics. Undefinable. So some of, so one of the titles of the song is Love at a Five and Dime. So I have no idea what a five and dime story is. I haven't it's, it's like Daiso. Probably, yeah, it's like Daiso. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, discount store. Thank you, Miles. Uh, yes. So it's like the US Daiso. And and I'll never see what and, and from what I understand, they're gone. They're they're they're, mm, yeah. they're obsolete. But yet uh, it just yeah, it it just evokes a sense of nostalgia uh, or a memory that I've never had in real cool. reality. Yeah, cool. Okay, so what's her name again? Uh, Nancy oh, Griffith. Oh, Nancy Griffith. And and if there was the one song, it would be. The... It wouldn't be that. It would. That's a great song, but the the song would be outbound playing. Uh, it's and it, and it's about 
flying and trying to escape from a situation that is actually uh, claustrophobic and and, mm. and and hemming you in. Uh, like, a, like a lockdown. Like a lockdown, exactly. <laughs> so everything is basically a projection of this. Mm. Well, mm. yeehaw. <laughs> oh, great, cool, okay. And, uh, and so that brings us to the end of this week's show. And as I said earlier, if you have any, dear listener, um, ideas on uh, <clears throat> just a broad, just one parent, no, don't write the whole damn novel, but just uh, kind of some of the elements that you would imagine seeing in the year 2050 in Malaysia, then... Uh, I don't know. Send it to us somehow. I, I, I mean, I, I read it. Can, can I, can I add something to to merge two things together, like like um, creative childhood games and Mikey's um, science fiction? Why not the three of us? Mikey starts writing <laughs> like a page or two, whether you want it to be script or prose. I guess the script is faster, and then send it to us and and or send it to Cam first, and Cam continues, and then sends it to me, and I continue, and let's see what we can come up with after like maybe. Six or uh, seven different segments. Either that's like fair. Yeah, science, a science fiction murder mystery with ga- <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The game, the game, game improvised by three different writers. Yeah. Uh, this is know, actually using a, a writing technique that uh, me and Nata actually use. We oh. yeah, yeah. Well, we send things in the round and well. uh, build up on things. Um, okay, all right, all right. Go on then, Mikey. You start it off, and then we'll see if we can come up with a, a suitable ending for Sounds these. Like a plan. <laughs> For these or even a suitable or a suitable first chapter, even. Yeah. <laughs> if we can, if we can yeah. get to that. Let's not get ahead of ourselves first. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, only remains me now to thank special guests, um, Mikey Gong. Thank you, Cam. And Na'a Murad. And, Always a pleasure, Cam. Uh, and myself, Cam Ruslan. And so please join us next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.